Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready, here, ready, here, ready, here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is such a special show for me today. We have three of our guests are in Hawaii. I hope I'm saying that right. It's about five (laughs) o'clock in the morning. They are brave souls who got up to join me. And I'm blaming the whole thing on Alexi Katko, who was on a show with me a few months ago. And we cooked up a topic called the future of encouragement. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Come on, everybody needs encouragement today. The world has been through a horrific year and a half. We're emerging there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We're trying to feel good, feel safe, feel better, be happier, go back to work one way or another, change jobs, move our families into this new era. I don't call it the new normal. I call it the new reality because every day for all of us is a new reality. It's just the real thing. This is what it is. So I'm going to read my opening as I usually do. I have a couple of buzz quotes here, and I'm, I'm still blaming it all on Alexi, who is a wonderful panelist. I'm making him smile. He's he's the guy anchoring the panel today. So those of you who are watching us live, we are on LinkedIn. Yay! We are on Facebook. Yay! This is my good luck panel. We had trouble last week, and a shout out to Aaron Keller at Voice America Radio Business Channel, my engineer extraordinaire. By the way, ladies and Alexi, Aaron started working with me two years ago he was 26 years old at the time now he's 62 62 so you know it just it's just been interesting i'm having a good time already let me read you a couple quotes number one here's the buzz number one this is from kiran monral the face at the window Uh, i don't know if it's a book or a website but i wrote it down here we go there is a charm to letters and cards that emails and sms's can't even replicate. You cannot inhale them. You cannot draw the fragrance of the place they've been mailed from. The feel of paper in your hand. I love to touch books, by the way. The paper is important. Bearing the weight of the words contained within. You cannot rub your fingers over the paper and visualize the sender seated at a table writing, perhaps with a smile on their lips or a frown splitting their brow. Beautiful quote from Kieran Munrell. And now I have a quote from one of our guests, Alexi Katko. He says, I've seen teenagers young adults and grandparents cry. Everybody show me cry. Cry after receiving a letter. There we go. Good panel. That's the power we all possess. That's why I speak, Alexi talking, I speak on the subject of encouragement through the art of writing letters. And his website is 1000, the number 1000lettersofencouragement.com. So let's give a little history. And this is courtesy of Alexi's research. The earliest letter, 500 BC, Queen Atossa in Persia. Good for her. Paper wasn't invented until 105 AD, but it wasn't until 1702 that it became cheap enough for people to afford to have paper. Oh my, we just take it for granted today. In the 1700s, get this, it took 14 days for a letter to go 100 miles. Can you imagine? 14 days? Yeah, I know, Deslin, that's that's a shocker. Today, a letter from Hawaii 
will be received in New York, if you're lucky, in three days, maybe seven. It depends on the, I won't say anything. Okay, here we go. On July 26, 1775, almost a year before the U.S. Declaration of Independence was signed, the U.S. Post Office was created by the Second Continental Congress, and we thank them for that, to connect the people of America through letters, through postage, through things that you can hold in your hand. Today, it's 55 cents, last last I checked, but I buy the forever stamp, so I never know what it costs. It's about... A uh, half a cent for a piece of paper, depending on how fancy your paper is. It's maybe 15 cents for an envelope, depending on how fancy your envelope is, right, Alexi? It's a buck for a pen if you buy cheap pens. Maybe, you, I don't know, pick them up somewhere. When I go to my, my uh, massage place in my hair salon, they have beautiful free pens that write, and I take one once a month. So I have plenty of free pens. And 10 minutes of your time, you can write a letter of encouragement. And the whole point is to lift someone up, and you can change their world and they can change the world around them. So today we are honored to have Alexi Katko, Alexi Wave, we know who you are. Karen Gibson, Wave. We have Miss G, Wave please, there she is. And we have Deslin Jacquet, am I pronouncing your name right? Akias. Jackius, oh, we're doing, okay, Jackius, thank you, for their take on the future of encouragement, old-fashioned letter writing, and new media clubhouse. And the reason we're talking about clubhouse is because Alexi has a show on clubhouse where he reads his letters of encouragement. So he's blending old world letter writing with new world media and social sharing. So this whole thing was the idea of, well, everybody give Alexi a round of applause. Thank you, Alexi, for putting this together. I'm so honored that you're doing this with me today and that these wonderful ladies have joined us. So let's go around the table. It's time for introductions. Alexi Katko, in case there were three people in the world who don't remember you from the last time you were on my show, shame on them. So you talk to those three people somewhere in the world. Please reintroduce yourself. Take about three minutes. That's going to be our pace of sound bites today on the show. Take about three minutes to tell us who you are, what you do, a little bit about your letters, and what's your passion for encouragement? Because that's really our big topic today. Alexi, welcome back. Go ahead. Well, thank you very much, Bonnie, for, for the awesome introduction and for this show and inviting us here. So, uh, yeah, I'm Alexi Katko and born in Kazakhstan. And every time I introduce myself, I'm from Kazakhstan, they're like, where Bora is from? It's like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I was born in by age four. Uh, by age four, my parents moved our family to America, the Great and... Uh, so growing up, I was kid number five of six, and encouragement has always been something I could say I've always been uh, needing a lot more probably than your average kid. I'm not sure if that's a fair statement to say, but I'll say it. Okay, you did. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, I grew up here in Massachusetts in the States for the most part, and um, so in 2013, um, by then I was in my 20s, I was living in Savannah, Georgia, and I remember getting a call from my sister. She's like, hey, one of our friends, he uh, took his life, and he was a young guy, and that really hit me hard. And after that phone call, I was like, okay, let me call another one of my friends who was just a ball of encouragement. And when I called him, he picks up, and he was just like bawling. And I'm like, oh, are you all right, bro? What's what's going on? And he's like, you didn't hear the news? I'm like, no, what happened? He's like, my brother-in-law also uh, took his life. And so within two phone calls, back within five minutes of each other, I find out these two bits of information. And like, I just felt like a ball of energy just started taking over me. And I'm like, okay, okay. So this is 2013. In 2008, I had a brother-in-law 
I made the exact same choice. And it took me almost six years to get over that one. And so in 2013, I'm standing there. I'm like, whoa, what just like, what is happening? And so I said, I got to make something with this, this energy that just started like coming together. I'm like, I got to do something. So for the rest of that day and the next morning, I went to a coffee shop or a cafe at six in the morning. I knew the manager, luckily, and I told him, hey, I need to figure my life out and I'm not leaving until I figure it out. And he's like, okay, if you need to stay here for a couple of days, go for it. And so I sat there from 6 a.m. till uh, midnight. And by the time I walked out, I realized that my friends who made the decisions that they did and my brother-in-law, they were really lacking in encouragement. And so... I decided to write a thousand letters of encouragement because I believe encouragement is our secret human superpower to making the world an even better place. And so I said, I gave myself a year to achieve this and I did it in half a year. And initially I was going to email, uh, send them out by snail mail and my gut said, just hold on to them and um, wait till the right time. And so it took eight years and this March I started reading uh, for 77 days in a row, I did every day on Clubhouse where I'd read 10 letters and open up from conversation. And now, because of work, I do it every Wednesday and every Saturday, 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's that's me. That's who I am and uh, where I'm at. And encouragement, like I said, I believe it's our superpower as human beings. Wow, that was beautiful. That was, and I'm not saying that to be glib, Alexi. Very impressive how you express yourself. I have a quick question for you. Believe it or not, there may be people in our audience who don't know what Clubhouse is. So, would you please just give us a quick overview of what kind? What is the platform? I've I've tried it. I've been on. It's not for me. Not appropriate for what I'm trying to do achieve. But I know it's very very popular. So, quickly, Alexi, what is Clubhouse? Oh, I, I love how you said that. Like, um, for it's it's not for you, and for me, like uh, other apps were not for me. And Clubhouse just happens to be the very thing. And so, Clubhouse, uh, some people explain it. It's like live podcasting, where you can talk back to the podcaster, or like you say, it's a uh, it's LinkedIn, but people can talk back to you. So just. Rooms where you go in there, you see a room, a subject or a topic that you like. When you go in there, there are two groups of people. There's the speakers section and then there's a listener section. There's more, but that's generally speaking how it is. And you can go in there and listen to any group. And then if you want to ask questions to the people who are hosting the rooms, you just raise your hand. They either bring you up or not. Um, and then you just have conversations. And that's how I met everyone here, except for you, Bonnie, um, tonight or today here. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. Maybe I'll have to try it again. Maybe next time you're going to do it, I'll go on and listen to one of your chats and send you my encouragement. Oh, you embody encouragement, Alexi. Uh, Your story is interesting because you're talking about taking your own life. You're talking about people who committed suicide. And we have all kinds of people giving advice on how to deal with helping people who are in trouble and how do you deal with the aftermath, the survivor's guilt, and why didn't you know? But you're just, you're basically leveling the playing field and saying, let's just encourage people. Let's just do that as a, as a groundswell of encouragement so that we don't have to get to that place. So you're yep. not looking at the symptoms. You're looking at the cause before it becomes a cause. I appreciate that very much. I'm going to try you. not to cry. My, my son says, anytime we get together as a family on Zoom, he gives me three minutes before I start to cry. It's always from happiness. But anyway, I will not cry. This is a serious topic. Karen Gibson, welcome to Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. We're delighted to have you. I'm going to put you on full speaker view. And would you do me the honor, please, of introducing yourself? Take a couple minutes. What do you do? And what's your take on encouragement? Karen, welcome. 
Thank you so much, Bonnie, for giving me this opportunity, as well as Alexi, who invited me here. I am a parent coach. I've been an educator for about 27 years. And during the pandemic, I wrote 100 Parenting Tips Inspired by the Pandemic. Deslin, hockeyist, actually encouraged me to just go live for a couple of weeks and do a few tips before the school year started last year. And I just kept going and I did 100 of them. I wanted to encourage parents. My goal and mission is to coach overwhelmed moms, parents, grandparents, you know, whoever interacts with children and let them know that they are not alone, that the pandemic totally revolutionized parenting and that if we know how to, you know, help children with their mental health as well as help parents with their mental health, parenting will not be the struggle that many of us have. I have a 25-year-old and a 19-year-old. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be turning seven this September. And I've realized that without encouragement, parenting will seem like a constant struggle. Um, I experienced a really horrible depression when my 25-year-old um, went off to college in 2014, and that inspired my my first book. It's called Mama's Gotta Let Go, How to Let Go Without Losing Your Sanity, because Yay. I lost my sanity. I just dropped into a really severe depression, questioning my worth, questioning whether I, I can do the parenting journey. There's been many times today that I continue to question and death and always, you know, she encourages me, she empowers me, and I think every parent needs encouragement or else you wonder whether you can even raise a child. No matter what age they are, we just always question whether we're damaging our children, whether we're ripping their self-esteem, or whether we can say the right things. I often find myself saying the wrong things, and then I realize hey, I'm only human, I am continuing to practice letting go and just realize that we do need to be compassionate and encourage ourselves. You know, if no one else encourages us, which I really believe letter writing does. At one point, I had about 100 pen pals worldwide. I was about 12. My, my mom was not very happy with the postage. <laughs> But, but I'm an only child, and I loved receiving mail. I was that kid who would, you know, mail out for free stuff just so that I could get something in the mail. And I would just um, just love, love writing. Um, Jesslyn is uh, my – and even um, Alexi have been witness to my, my sticker-filled envelopes, and I just love sending anything to people just to um, – you know, we get bills in the mail. We'll, we get – unhappy mail so I feel that just sending a little bit of your heart you know it, it's there forever I mean it's almost like leaving a legacy so that's my story thank you very much you hit so many I won't say nerves but high points with me my children are very grown one's an MD one's a, a JD a lawyer and a doctor doctor and a lawyer and uh, I have a couple of grandchildren my first granddaughter already graduated from college a couple of weeks ago so I, I look back sometimes, Karen, and I say, did I really, thank you, Alexi, did I really 
put my children through that? <laughs> did I, what did I do? Did I, I damage them? Did I strengthen, strengthen? I always encourage them. And I was a single mom. I divorced, uh, I, I left their dad and divorced when my kids were, I think, eight and three. So I raised, and I was 3,000 miles from home. I'm a New Yorker, born and bred, and I was living in Eugene, Oregon, where my husband had taken us cross country. And I had to figure out a whole new life of how to do, and I had never lived on my own. I I think I had five locks on the door and I slept with a with a scissors under my second pillow. I was that scared and I was in charge of two young beings and I had to figure it out. I had to finish getting another, my second and third college degrees, get my first job in my life at 27 years old. My parents were great, but they were in New York. Letter writing, now this is before cell phones, kids. This was in the beginning era of computer. I was a programmer analyst after my next two degrees, but my point is that I... I had to encourage myself and I had to rely on my family. But I will tell you, Karen, that along the way, I learned that handwritten letters, Alexi, this is for you, handwritten notes of thank you became very refashionable about 10, 15 years ago because people were using instant message. They were using text. They were using emails. And we all know email, it strips out the humanity and takes out the compassion and you can't see in an email what somebody's thinking. And the, well, what do you think? I love Zoom for my radio shows now. I get to watch all you beautiful people. I get to see your thoughts. I get to see how you think when you speak and how you gesture. I'm the one using the hands today. Alexa, you are too. And my point is that uh, it became fashionable to write a hit. And there's a very famous radio host I'm trying to remember her name. I will I will figure it out. And she wrote me a handwritten note of thanks for being on one of my radio shows about 20 years ago. I have that letter today. I cherish it. And it was very rare to receive a handwritten. Some people do that after a job interview. They write a handwritten letter, not, not a card signed, but a, a Hallmark card. We love those. But a handwritten note on some, or just plain piece of paper. So thank you for your story. I appreciate it. And yes, parents in all eras, in all ages, need encouragement because basically we never were given the handbook that you started writing karen there were no handbooks there there was well, dr spark and there was this and then dr brazelton but we weren't told you're going to be a parent this is you know you read the book but it's every kid is different every parent is different every home is different so i'm getting off on a tangent miss g i am welcoming you i can't wait to hear where your name comes from because the g is part of my last name and and i go by aka radio red in my other radio life so i'd love to hear your name would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to me in the audience miss G, you're up. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Miss G. Miss G is my artist name. Uh, I'm a performance artist, um, and I've been dancing for, hmm, I'm going to say all of my life, because dance was always present in my life. But I began taking it seriously when I was about 13 years old. And at the age of 16, I started to teach. So I've been teaching uh, dance for close to 20 years now. Um, now I kind of expanded my repertoire and I teach yoga as well. I'm an energy healer. I practice energy healing. I have my own line of crystal jewelry. Um, so my goal has always been to help people. So I use the arts, which is my passion, to try and connect with people and I don't know, inspire someone, help someone, change someone's life, do anything that can help. Um, since I was little, I, I wrote, but I never really realized that it was just another art form that I could dive into until about, I want to say in 2015. Um, I was going through a really bad divorce 
And um, I found myself in a very, very unique space. Um, I had lost everything. I was basically homeless, sleeping in a garage uh, at my friend's house, um, kind of like in between places. I had lost my cars I, and everything was just like crazy, completely just turning everything over. So um, I decided that because I was having such horrible issues with communicating with my um, my then husband, I decided that instead of holding in everything that I wanted to say to him, because he would ignore me on purpose, because he knew that that was a like a, a trigger point. So he would ignore me, he wouldn't respond to my messages or anything like that when I was just trying to get that chapter closed. So I, I started a, a, a secret blog and I started writing him letters and saying every vile thing that I <laughs> wanted to say to him. And, um, and that, that became very therapeutic. And that's kind of when I discovered like, Hey, you are a writer as well. You can write. So I kind of took off with that and um, I, I wrote for a bunch of years, but then I wanted to do something with that blog. So I transitioned it. It was called dearhusband.org, but then I changed the name into dearlifetraveler.com. And the reason why I changed it was because I believe that we're all traveling through life. Like life is a journey. It's not about the destination, right? Because we all know what the destination is. So it's really not about that destination. It's about that journey that you take on. So we're life travelers. So um, in that website, I started writing more about like mental health, using travel as a source of therapy because I'm an avid traveler. I love traveling. Um, I'm a transplant. I'm originally from New York. Uh, but, you know, I've lived in Florida. I've lived in Honduras. Yeah. I've lived now I'm living in Chicago. And even now here, like, I'm like, I need to go somewhere else. You know, so I'm like, I'm a traveler just in all sense. So I use travel. I use letter writing because now I also write letters not only to my husband, but I'll write letters to my depression, to my anxiety. I write letters to bad habits. I write letters to other people. And um, I use myself as a source like uh, of encouragement for others, you know, just by exposing everything about me. It's not comfortable, but I realize that it's, it's like, there's like a bigger purpose with me even posting on social media when I'm going through something bad in my life. I know that I can help someone out there go, you know, get through something because they can see like, Hey, I'm not the only one, like this person's also going through something like that. So yeah, I've always just been that person that's just want to use everything that I can in my artistry to encourage someone else to keep going or to follow their dreams or to get out of that funk. So, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Alexi, I've, I've only met two of your friends here, and I can't wait to meet Deslin in a minute, but I, you are all remarkable in your willingness to be real and authentic, such an overused word, but you're all embodying authenticity. Yes, Miss G, some of us want to be who we are, and some people don't like it, they don't get it, they don't accept it, they don't want it, they reject it, they banish us, they ostracize us. We've, I think we've all been through some of that. I have a feeling, I'm looking at the panel, you know what I'm talking about, and it's hard to encourage yourself when people say, nah, you can't be part of this, and we don't want you, and yeah, you you asked me to do, you're too aggressive, and you're, you're too, I was once told by a boss that I should bring 
down my standards at work from 102% being a one-woman team, if you will, and I should lower my standards to about 80% and bring the rest of the team up to my level, even if I never reached my 102% again. And he said, open the door to your office, get people in. you got to bring them up. You can't be who you are and, and let them come up. You've got to work with them and bring them. It was, an, it was an odd phrase that he used. I got the point, and I had to work more with the team that I had hired, actually. But he said, I don't care that you're not going to be doing doing your best, you need to raise everybody up. So maybe that was a message of encouragement. I'm not sure. Anyway, it was it was an odd place to be. So I'm identifying with everything all of you are saying. And yes, I was a coder, Miss G. I was an early, I'm an early woman in tech, not in the Grace Hopper era who invented COBOL and, and a lot of technology, uh, but I was an early woman programmer analyst. And I discovered, Miss G, that I knew how to write in English. Ah, I thought I could just write in computer code. And I found out I could write in English and I became a business writer and a newsletter writer and a marketing specialist for big companies. And now I'm a broadcast journalist and I write a lot for my radio show. So I, like you, didn't know I could. And I'm writing a novel, which is a very funny thriller mystery with a murder in it, but it's a very funny. And I have to pretend it didn't happen where I live because everybody, and the disclaimer to my novel is, in case you think you recognize a person, place, a scent, a flower, a car, a house, a, a wardrobe, anything, and it seems recognizable, it could be real, get over it, something like that. So my disclaimer is, it's not fiction, it's real, and I'm pretending it's not. So just get over it. So there you go. And now let's go to Deslin. Deslin, I'm going to put you on speaker view. We're so interested in who you are. And please join us and share your, your background and what's your take on encouragement. Go ahead. Aloha, I'm Dustin Hockeyus, and I just wanted to say, you, Bonnie, you're so refreshing. I've never <laughs> met someone who has so much joy and, like, you're – because I'm, I'm like, a, like, Karen knows I'm an excited person, but you are refreshing. <laughs> and so I was sweet. like, oh, my gosh. You're so sweet. So, thank you. I, I'm honored to be on your show. And, um, Alexi, thank you so much um, that I have the honor and privilege of, um, you know, being a part of a panel um, because of what you do and why you do. Um, you know, I, I'm extremely grateful to be here. Um, so I'm Dozen Hakias. I'm on the island of Kauai. Um, it's one of the oldest Hawaiian islands. Uh, I am the owner and founder of Healing with Aloha and um, Kauai Girl. Uh, Healing with Aloha, uh, the reason why I launched it is uh, I've been a speaker since 1994, uh, speaking at churches, um, schools, and nonprofit organizations. And I think... Sometimes we go through things in life and we don't really realize the impact that we can have on people. And so when I went to, when I moved from one island, Hawaiian Island to another, I moved from Kauai to Oahu. I remember um, my friend, I'm sharing this scripture. Um, I, I hope it's okay. It's on Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a feature, you will come to me, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And, and that, that really encouraged me because I felt like that God had great plans for me because up until that point, I just felt like I would go to church and I believed in God, but I felt like uh, he, he was always judging me. And he, you know, like if I make a mistake, I'd be judged, you know? And so it's like, you can never win. And when I realized that God had great plans not to harm me, uh, 
it gave me hope. And I'm a domestic violence survivor and I became an advocate because I understand pain. And through speaking um, since 94, I feel like I've, I've given people courage to, to live their best life. And I started working with nonprofit organizations, um, working with prevention, intervention and treatment, serving youth and elderly um, adults um, with uh, drug treatment, um, people who've been incarcerated and also people who have, you know, come out of um, uh, populations where people would consider, you know, they, they, they're high population for, you know, drug, drug addictions, alcoholism, and um, incarceration. And for me, coming from where I came from, I felt like regardless of where you come from, you can still have a great life and you can still make a great impact. And so I made it a point for the 10 years that I served that I'm going to love the kids and I'm going to love the adults that I come across and let them know that you, you were meant to be here and that you can do great things. And uh, I also started a podcast uh, because I've been speaking. I was like, I want to do a podcast, but I never had the courage to do it. Back in 2001, my sister passed away. Um, she was in an unexpected vehicle accident and it shattered my world. And oh, sorry, make it That's okay. You're real. And Kiala, her name is Kiala Hakias. And until you've lost someone, yep. someone unexpectedly, like someone who ended their life by suicide or like an accident, you'll never truly understand mm -hmm. that waking up, getting out of bed is success. Yes. Yes. And, yes. Um, thank, thank you, Deslin. I'm going to give you a break here because I know you're, I know you're <laughs> deep, deep into remembering the pain and that's, that's okay. And I want to take you back about three minutes when you complimented me. And I want to say, I appreciate you very, very much. I'm going to, we're really ready for the quote part of the show for yeah. you've all sent me movie quotes, but I have a quick story to share with all of you that I think will make you smile because I think it was almost life-changing for me. It happened last night. I'm a drummer and I have not gone to a public open mic, meaning at a, we have them all over here in the Raleigh, Durham, Cary area at bars and, and at taverns. And they mostly were in doors and there's one that's outside in a great big yard and because of covid i didn't feel comfortable most people were still going to them it never these places never closed during covid and nobody is wearing masks and i saw the videos and to me it was shocking and i wanted to wait till i was comfortable to go back vaccinated or not vaccinated i just wanted to be in an outside area where i wasn't going to be too close to people where it was a big enough bandstand that people weren't breathing on me one way or another because i don't know these people well so last night was the time i went back it's been almost a year and a half and you sign up on a list for open mic. And now there's so many people doing this of all ages that you only get two songs. We used to get to bring three songs. So I'm the fifth one. There were two young girls who came up and sang two songs each. And they were they were beautiful. They were wonderful. One was about 14. She sang an Amy Winehouse song, the rehab song. And she had all the moves. I don't want to go to rehab. No, no. And I'm sitting there and I was going, no, no, no. And singing along. And I, it was a blast. And the other one was a little girl, a, a, a little Latino girl whose dad was was very worried and she sang over tracks and she did a beautiful job singing a couple ballads so then they get to the adults on the list and i'm number five well just before me there's a band that comes up and these four gentlemen come up and they had all their own audio equipment so instead of being okay come up get a couple people to play with you. They're bringing up their mixers. They're bringing up their amps. They're bringing up their chords. And the keyboard player brought up this huge red keyboard. 
and it was almost like a guitar, but you, you held it in your in your hand, you know, this way, and he couldn't get it to work. So his band now, everybody's waiting. There's 75 people outside in this yard. They're all on tables. They're drinking. They're eating, and nothing's happening. So they start playing the background of their next song, and they start singing. He's still fiddling. He's plugging and pop and pow. Nothing's <laughs> happening. So. They finished their first song without the keyboard. I'm getting to the story in a second here. Then he goes outside to the parking lot and he brings in another keyboard and sets it up with all the cables from the original amp and he's plugging things in and they're on their second song and nothing is happening. And he just does this. The guy has brought a table full of family and friends to hear him. I'm not kidding you. They were right up front. There must have been 10 people at the table eating and drinking there with him. Okay. And I thought, oh, my God. So the MC Mike, comes up and he's, I'm next on the list. Now, this was not a good place to be because they did two songs and the keyboard guy never got to play. So Mike says, Red, come up next. And I said to my, under my breath and to my boyfriend, I said, they're going to, they're going to throw beer cans at me if I go up and cut these people <laughs> off because they didn't get to have the keyboard player play. Right. So somebody in the audience says, let the band do a third song. And I said, yes. Well, he continued to say, Red, come up. And I figured nobody's going to listen to me because they think these guys got shorted because of the problem. So I walk up. I, I'm getting goosebumps, Alexi. I walk up in front of about 75 people this huge yard. I looked up at Mike on the stage. I said, give the band one more song, okay? And then I turn around to the audience, and uh, Miss G, this is serious. I turn around to the audience in front of everybody. I raise my hands and I say, one more. Let's hear it for one more. Everybody put your hands together. And I'm leading the freaking audience. And there's applause. And I said, Mike, we're giving them one more song. I took, it was, I don't know what empowered me to do it, but I felt wow. it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. So they played their song and the keyboard was spectacular and everybody <laughs> applauded them. And I thought I have saved, I, I'm 10 minutes later than I should have been, but who cares? So then I go up and my boyfriend says to me, get the keyboard player to stay instead of packing up, stay and play with you. So I go up to the keyboard player. I said, my first song is Mustang Sally. He said, Oh, you want us to play that? I said, I'm the drummer. I'm up next. He didn't know me. Don't unplug your equipment. Stay. And then I looked at his band. I said, we need a couple guitar players. So one of the guitar players said he would stay. And then another guitar player came up. And then my friend Ellie, who is a bass player, uh, she's a, an Asian woman who's just absolutely stunning. And she plays bass. She sings. She plays drums. She plays everything. We knew her from, from a, a school where we both took music lessons. Anyway, Ellie comes up with her little bun <laughs> and her long dress. And she's, I'm going to be your bass player. So we hit the ground. We hit the stage, a big stage up on top of, I had to have people help me up the steps because I, I can't, I can't climb a step that big in my, my, boots for my drumming boots so <laughs> go up on stage some young man helped me from the band and I go on the drums and I said to myself I haven't played in public like this in a year and a half I'm gonna beat the shit out of my drums <laughs> I had my red sticks it was so hot back there in the heat because it's a, a semi-closed mm -hmm. band shell if you will the sticks were sliding out of my hands I don't sweat my hands were soaked with sweat oh it was God. that hot and I'm holding on I didn't have sticks with grips on them those were in my purse but they're not red I had to have red sticks red hair red boots red so and the red flower my flower came with me so yeah. I get up and we hit Mustang Sally and the, nobody wanted oh. to sing it so Mike the, the MC who jumps up and down and takes his guitar out to the audience it's on a remote and and he sings he plays guitar and stands on tables and sings out into the audience because he's on a remote feed to the stage 
he starts singing Mustang Sally. I think we had the entire audience singing Ride Sally Ride. I had goosebumps. I played like I've never played in my life. And the power. And you know why? Because I felt that I had accepted that the yeah. other band needed their turn. I had said to the audience, we need to encourage them. We need to welcome them. We need to validate them. I took it upon myself to stand up front of 75 people and say, give them another song, damn it. And they did. And I felt like I came, I've, I've done stage work and MC work for years. I used to MC bachelor auctions in New York for a thousand people, no problem. <laughs> but I haven't had a chance to do anything like that big in a while. Alexa, your eyes are popping out. And yeah. I felt that I had encouraged the band. And when I said to the keyboard player, would you please stay and play with me? I got a thumbs up like, thank you. And at midnight, somebody was on, on uh, Messenger, Facebook Messenger from the group who goes to these open mics. And I wrote, thank you to the band Ranchero. Glad you played your third song. And thank you for joining me on my songs. And within minutes, this was at 12.08 this morning. I, that's an early night for me to go to bed. I'm usually <laughs> one or two in the morning. 30 people saw that message. And I got a lot of hearts and thumbs up because I said, Thank you for sharing the stage with me. And thank you to Mike for singing and dancing and for welcoming me back. I have to tell you, it was life-changing. My second song was Georgia Satellites, Keep Your Hands to Yourself. And that was fun too. But it was, I felt that I had changed my life, Alexi, in some Aww. way. Any any comments? I just, I felt like I was encouraging me, encouraging everybody. Miss G, Miss G, talk to me. We haven't even gotten to our quotes yet. We're halfway through the show. Miss G, talk to me. What do you think? That just reminded me what my uh, my chosen brother, I call it, I have chosen families. I have my relatives and I have my chosen family. So uh, my chosen brother, he would always tell me, uh, invest in people so in, people will invest in you. And I think that that was a perfect, perfect example of that. You know, you, you supported them. So now, now you have family, like now you have people Thank that you. are going to back you up, that are going to encourage you. And this is how you grow. You know, it's like one, one hand washes the other, you know, like that's how we, we got to do it because, uh, you know, we can't do stuff by ourselves. You know, you could have done that. You could have just been like, well, it's my turn. I'm sorry. <laughs> it and you probably would have right, got right? maybe like a couple of fans, but yep. because you did that, now you have like 20, 30 more people that are yes. going to have your back. Thank you. And I will tell you, when I was doing Mustang Sally, I was drumming so hard. I was literally bouncing off the drum throne, the chair. When I hit my <laughs> sticks, I just, and when it came to bum, 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 I hit the kick, bum, bum, bum. And I put my sticks over my head, bum, bum, bum. There wasn't a person in the audience who wasn't watching the stage to see who that crazy redhead drummer in the back was. Because the other drummers before me were good, but nobody was doing what I did. I left that stage I, and a woman in the back said to me, lady, you kicked ass. <laughs> and I just, I can say that on my show. <laughs> and it was such an experience. It just, just absolutely thrilled me to the core. Alexi, any comments? You know me a little bit. What do you think? I, I think uh, the power of encouragement, that is the, the perfect example of power of encouragement where you, you give somebody the right to shine and that, sh that light comes right back at you. Yes. Yes, thank you. Thank thank you for listening to my story. I took up too much time, but I was I really wanted to share it and I and just having met all of you, I know Alexi, but having met Miss G and Karen and Deslin, I I thought it was appropriate to share it with you because I had to tell somebody. And now I'm telling LinkedIn and Facebook and they know too much about me. So, I tell you what, we're going to skip the movie and song quotes even though you sent wonderful quotes. I want to get to a couple of your predictions and then we'll see if we have time for the quotes because we've only got 15 16 minutes left to the 
Oh, Alexi, I have my prediction. My prediction is you're all coming back in September or October to do part two of this conversation. Would you be all yeah. willing to come back? Good. Okay. Okay. I'm encouraging you to come back. I'll give you a date. I just, I just need, yeah, I just need well, well, nothing. I don't need anything from you. Okay. So Bonnie, here we go. Yes, dear. Like, like in the show, I just say, oh. <laughs> Here we go. Alexi, I'm just going to read your first prediction. Letter writing will make a comeback in the next 10 years. Take about 90 seconds. Tell me why you believe this is true. I'll pick one prediction from each of you and just go down the list. Alexi, go ahead. What does this mean? I believe letter writing will come back in the next 10 years because we will make it come back. Uh, and I think it's something like you said a little, I believe it was you, Bonnie, who said it earlier um, or Karen, that uh, this letter just writing is something that really, when, when you get a handwritten something anything it just like like whoa i think it's uh, the best way to capture your heart in pen format it, nothing beats it and uh, <laughs> on one of my shows uh, i had somebody from india jump on and they were saying how um giving letters to people in india or just giving anything to people uh, to each other in india is a big no-no and they were telling me how it would be very difficult because I challenged people to write letters in each letter that I wrote. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be impossible to give letters. It's going to be a challenge. It's a, there's a huge thing against it. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. I've, I, I personally sent a lot of letters out to India myself. And so when, when you do something, uh, and for me, letter writing is a big thing. That's the thing I want to make uh, uh, bring it back, make it a comeback, make it a normal thing. And so I, I believe in the next 10 years, the more people like on this panel that write letters and share their letters, not just write them, but share them with people, it's going to have that ripple effect. And it's um, that uh, there will be a tipping point, I believe. And they're just going to, people are going to be like, yeah, let me, let me write a letter. I got, I got 10 minutes. Let me do this. Thank you. Very, very interesting. We have a contrarian view here. We have a prediction from Karen Gibson. She says letter writing will become, and we, we like disagreements, Karen, and I know that you believe in both sides, but Karen says letter writing will become obsolete because people are addicted to communicating via texting and cell phones and emails and sending emojis instead of words expressing their thoughts, social media, direct message, FaceTime, TikTok videos, Facebook Messenger, popular methods of communication. So who's going to win that battle? Battle. Karen, what do you think? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I guess the people that I know, um, they say that they send, you know, in Hawaii or anywhere in the world, you'll send graduation cards, right? And one of my friends sent about 25 graduation cards with money, at least 50 to $100, not one thank you card. She was really thanking me for, you know, she said, I just toot my own horn that that I was a good parent because I just always tell my girls to write thank you notes. You might be the only one. I had another grandma in Illinois who said her own grandchildren never wrote a little thank you note. I have friends who don't even own stationery, and I'm thinking, what? To me, stationery <laughs> is like oxygen to me. You must have stationery. You must have stickers. And you must have stamps. On my honeymoon, I wrote about 50 postcards, much to my husband's like, what are you doing? You know, we're on a boat, we're on the, and I'm just writing my postcards. I have this, it is an addiction, I have to admit that I just love, love writing. However, I'm noticing that a lot of people will text, right? Thank you for the, you know, people are firing people. People are breaking up their relationships. People are, and my daughters, you know, when I say, did you, did you talk to them? Yes. Did you call? No, 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 mom, I texted. 
and they really believe it's the same thing. So I'm realizing, um, I mean, I am part of Alexis. Like, I, I totally am part of this tribe. I advocate letter writing. But the people that I'm a, come across, for some <laughs> reason, they are resistant. I have every color pen. I have sparkly pens. I have... <laughs> Every pen you can imagine. Better writing Desmond, central. <laughs> yes, yes. You must have the stamps and the stickers and everything. But um, yeah, the, with cell phones and texting and DMing, um, I actually did a um, tutoring session via Instagram DM. It was an algebra lesson on Instagram because his laptop was giving him problems. So he used his phone. And I thought I would never never imagined doing tutoring via Instagram DM. I've done essays on chat, you know, I've done. And so I'm realizing that kids who don't have paper, you know, how will we, we, we it's something that uh, I think Alexis mission has to, has to be taken seriously. Otherwise I think letter writing will become obsolete, unfortunately. Thank but you. I'm on your side, Alexi. <laughs> he, he knows. He knows that. He knows that. We can, we can do both. Miss G, this is interesting. I've got prediction. We're going to combine one and two, and we have another possible contrarian here, Alexi. This is good. Uh, Miss G's first prediction: people will talk more and write less. Her second prediction: handwritten letters will become a rarity, and will be viewed as an extraordinary act of love. Wow, Miss G, talk to us. What does this all mean to you? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to piggyback off of what Karen was saying. Like, I really think it's going to become a thing where, like, no one really does it because myself, I, I'd i rather download an ebook than to buy an actual book. I would prefer to carry my device that has all of my books so I can read. Uh, if I want to take notes, I don't want to jot it down on a piece of paper. I want to put it on my iPad so I have it always with me. So, and I'm, I'm in my 30s. So uh, let's talk about the kids that are in their teens and 20s. Like they're probably like completely like, what is letter writing? What is that? <laughs> so like, no. I, I really think that when people actually take the time to write a letter, it's going to become one of those things that you don't really see. And uh, when it is done, it's going to be like, oh, my gosh, like it's, it's going to become one of those things. <laughs> A rarity. I have saved every letter of thanks from radio guests over the years, the handwritten notes I get. And I, I just put them in my bookcase. I just stuffed them into a little cubby and I have them just knowing that they took the time to do that. No, no hint to all of you, but they took the time to do that is precious to me. Really, and and I prefer when I have guests with books, Miss G, on my Monday night creative creativity radio show, I ask them not to send me the hard copy anymore because when I moved from New York to North Carolina, I brought about five bookcases with me. I had to give away about 500 books. I just couldn't even, I, I, I couldn't even, that's my hairdresser used to it's say. I just couldn't even, it's a lot. So I must have here probably 400 books left out of the thousand plus that I had collected over the years. I don't believe books should be thrown away. So I gave a friend hundreds of books and I said, help me get rid of them. He's a tennis player in the public courts in Queens, New York, mister, you know where those are and in Bayside. And he went to the tennis court and he said, hey, I got free books, opened up the trunk of his car. He said it took about 10 minutes before the books were completely gone. I had wow. guests had sent me cookbooks and self-help psychology books and, and books about, I don't know, 
gardening and beauty. And I just loaded him up with bags and bags. The rest, they, a couple were left. He took them to the public library and somehow they said they'd take them. Anyway, thank you for that. I want to move to Deslin's prediction number two. Since we're, oh. Deslin, go ahead. You want to say something? Go ahead. I wanted to um, piggyback on what she said that um, letter writing is an act of love. Um, for me, my son, I told him, you know, of course he doesn't have money. He's he's a teenager still. I'm like, but you know, like for Mother's Day and my birthday, I'm like, just write me a note, okay? Like I appreciate it. So it's an act of love. And so I was cracking up because when I I looked at from when he was kindergarten all the way until now, everything he writes pretty much says thank you for cooking for me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is so. Sweet. That's beautiful. By the way, what are we hearing? Roosters in the background there, Deslin? Yes, I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's I, It just makes it authentic. You're just a real person with real roosters. We appreciate that. <laughs> Let's go to your prediction number two, Deslin. This is interesting. You say video chatting, and here we are, will continue to flourish because it provides the experience of authentic interactions. Ah, go ahead, Deslin. Talk to us. Take about um, two minutes because we're we're running out of time. But go ahead, Deslin. It's yours. Well, I'm kind of like you. Um, I prefer to use like Zoom. Um, I have a podcast, and I noticed that you know I'll do Zooms with people, but it just felt so um artificial because it was just us two. And so what I did was I so 2020, all my guests were on Zoom. This year, I put them all on Instagram Live and it's new 80% of the people have never gone live before on Instagram but it allowed the people who follow me to and their followers to engage with us and to see us as real people like in this situation and I think people it, it normalizes and it makes people seem more authentic um, when you get to see their facial reactions as well as listen to what they have to say. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Alexi, we've covered a lot of territory here. I don't think anybody is against letter writing. They all believe in it. But we've we've got different systems of who is doing what and, and what methods of communication. I think we want to get people back to, and you're right, Jesslyn, I wonder why I didn't start on Zoom on my radio shows a year or two before the pandemic. I, I should have. I was doing it on the phone. I couldn't hear. I could hear people. I couldn't see when they were talking at the end of a sentence when they were still thinking if they wanted to chime in, they had to yell, hey, this is Bob, don't call me. So on and on. I have one very futuristic prediction. And don't worry about your prediction, your uh, quotes. We'll use them the next time you come back. I'm using prediction number. Oh, this is Karen's. It's not Alexi's. Oh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm uh, sorry, darling. I'm sorry. Karen, I'm yours. Prediction number three. I apologize, Alexi. People will, Karen, this is up to you. People will communicate using smart watches and possibly body implants and holograms. Technology advances will give us an opportunity to send our thoughts through a network to somebody else's brain without having to write a single word. I apologize, Alexi. I, I scrolled through my notes and I thought I was in your section. Karen, this is really futuristic. Talk to us. Are you going to scare us? Are you going to scare us? Go ahead. Mystery, I'm talking to your brain. Go ahead, Karen. I actually learned this from one of my students, a fifth grader who, you know, they always have to, to read something and it's called Kid Biz and it's all about the up and coming future. So when I read that you can have either brain implants, or actually it's a brain implant, and you could just turn on the TV. You can actually order stuff on Amazon, you could, which is very scary. Can you imagine <laughs> taking it, and then you've, you've bought like $500,000 worth of stuff <laughs> right before you go to sleep? So I've been asking kids, would you be willing to put an implant in your brain? 
And a lot of them said, yeah, why not? And I'm thinking it is in your brain. You have no idea what side effects. But I think with little with kids around 10 or 12, they think, yeah, why not? It would be cool. But it is scary to think that, you know, sending your thoughts. I don't think I would want all of my thoughts to, you know, be sent. Especially <laughs> <laughs> when, you're, when you're upset at your kids or your husband, you think, oops, I didn't mean to send that thought, you know. But Definitely it's amazing not. how with technology, you and I were talking about it. You know, I was in that era a long, long time ago, you know, being soon to be 57, where computers were the size of your room, right? Yep. We would not imagine, like, even, like, an AC remote being this big or, like, you know, we had to walk to the TV to change a station, to change the volume, to, you know, it's like, what is this where we have everything, like Miss G was saying, books on your phone. I love turning pages. I am yes. starting to, yes. it took me a few years, but I'll download stuff, and I still find myself, um, you know, going to the library, but with this body implants and sending thoughts, I mean, look what smartwatches do, you know, and it, it will, right. It'll tell you how far you walked and yes. it'll. The so question I is think, who owns the data? What are the privacy exactly. issues? Same thing in the cars. Same thing with Alexa. If I say it loud, she'll, she'll answer me. She's in the other room. Who, who Wait, did you call me? Yeah. <laughs> how much is she? How much is she listening? And who? That's a whole other topic. Karen, thank you. I want to squeeze in one more because we have about two minutes left, and I know Aaron needs me to start ending. Alexi is going to say one more thing. It's prediction number three. Your real prediction number three, Alexi. Through letter writing, people re renew their trust towards strangers on a bigger scale than ever before, and innovation will greatly increased because of the shared courage to try new things. Alexi, I give you exactly 60 seconds and then we got to wrap. Go. Okay, I believe um, encouragement is uh, lending your belief into somebody until theirs is strong enough to go and achieve what they want to do. And I think uh, through this form of letter writing to strangers, it's something that they can hold on to and be ins inspired again and again and again uh, to say, I can do it. This, this dude or this gal, they told me I can do it. And you go and you, you start believing in yourself and go do things. And that's why I believe innovation through letter, random letter encouragements will, will increase going forward. Thank you very much. You have all been such a delight. You're, you're all delicious, if I can use that word. <laughs> Alexi, round of applause for Alexi again. Alexi, yeah, you really outdid yourself, my friend. I consider you my friend. And I would love to get notes from all of you. And I have 30 seconds to close. So here's the deal. Thank you to Aaron, my engineer. And I want to say to all of you, I appreciate all of you. Thank you to Alexi Katko, Karen Gibson, Miss G, and Deslin Chakayes. I hope I said that sort of right. And I want you to tell tell everybody on our listening audience if somebody says to you and says to you the future is already here didn't you know that i want you all to raise your finger wag your finger come on everybody raise your finger miss g and alexi and you say no 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 that was yesterday's future today's future hasn't happened yet and we're going to all work together to make it a better one everybody wave goodbye bonnie g over and out bye bye linkedin bye bye, -bye. bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.